podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Okay, welcome back to the pod. It's Thursday morning. We are here in podcast land to do something that we are very fond of, but don't often do on the show, I guess. Yeah, we do it pretty often. Whinging. We're going to whinge, complain, grind the axe, kvetching, whatever you want to call it. We're going to do today, we're going to try to make it fun, a little bit productive, but also, you know what? If you grind all day long in your business, if you're in an industry for years, you're, you're dealing with staff, every morning you wake up, there's something going on in your inbox. This is why we hang out with other entrepreneurs, because it's so much fun just to be able to get it off your chest. We're not going to try to be holier than now today. Nope. We're just going to complain <laughs> with no return value, and we're going to do it with a little concept we like to call Room 101. All right, so this is a little concept we are going to call Room 101. It is borrowing from two different concepts, one from one of our favorite authors, George Orwell, who wrote the book 1984. The climax of the book occurs in the infamous Room 101, where, of course, thought criminals would go to be uh, interviewed. The BBC used this concept, Room 101, to create a funny television series. This basic idea is that me and you are going to lay out three pairs of things that we complain about, and then we're going to vote on which truly terrible thing in the universe deserves to go to room 101 to be locked away for all eternity, never to see the light of day again. There's a few news items that I want to share before we jump into these complaints, these whinges, these kvetches. One is that me and you will be in Barcelona, Barcelona, from July 1st to the end of August. And we've talked about having, there's going to be some DC meetups in the area, Dynamite Circle member meetups. There's going to be, you know, Europe is sort of like the digital nomad or location independent entrepreneur swing through the summer. I mean, if you kind of do the math and compare it, like summer in Europe sounds pretty good. Because it's an appealing time to go, and a lot of nationalities get 90 days free passage through Europe, and that's reflected in the Dynamite Circle, where we have many DCX events. But we were also talking about having a podcast listener meet up, something simple like a happy hour or something like that. So if you are going to be in Barcelona, July or August, kick us an email and uh, subject line Barcelona meetup, and we'll include you in any information about that. Another thing, a few weeks ago on the show, we mentioned that we have reached 100 placements at Dynamite Jobs. Just as a refresher, Dynamite Jobs is where we help you, the entrepreneur, build your remote team. We pick up the phone, we respond to your emails. This is a full service recruiting platform. We will help you find the right people for your business. And Thanks to the podcast listenership, all y'all out there that want to grow a career in entrepreneurship, we have a killer candidate database with relevant skills, you know, things like 
SEO, things like Facebook marketing, things like customer success expert, things like apprentice, people who want to be in your shoes one day, people that are willing to be your right hand. We have these people on file, ready to come to work for great companies. So check us out about that. And an exciting new thing, we are launching a freelancer section of the page because a lot of people have come to us and said, look, I have you know, four or five full-time employees, but the turnover on that isn't happening every other month, guys. What about freelancers? I use freelancers on a weekly, monthly basis. Can you help us find those? So whether you're looking for freelancers or whether you have freelance services yourself or looking to make a little extra money as a side hustle, do check out dynamitejobs.co. We're going to start facilitating those connections between uh, freelance gigs as well. Dan, I want to mention one thing too about the 100 people that we've placed and something that's really surprised me is a couple of these hires that these companies have made, the employees are actually making over $100,000 a year. So these aren't all entry-level positions at all. No, these are executive-level positions. There's been a CEO hire. There's been developer hires. Because remember, originally we were doing like, we're focused on marketing operations, customer service. Now all of a sudden, people hired a few operations people on the site. And now they're saying, hmm, this is an interesting network. Like the people that hang around Dynamite Jobs are are different than the people that hang around at sites like Monster.com or ZipRecruiter or whatever. Indeed, yep. These are people that like understand this scene. And so it's been working for executive hunts because of the network, essentially. There's no other way to say it, right? So let us know if we can help you. We're continuing to learn about the industry and how to place people, how to interview people, what people want. Drop us an email, drop us a phone call, and hopefully we can help you out. Thanks to everyone who filled out the Tropical MBA survey. The responses were overwhelming and insightful. We will be doing a full episode talking about the TMBA community and what sort of values are represented here, what type of people are involved, the numbers and all that. So we appreciate that. Of course, got tons of stuff coming about in the pike. Over a handful of events left in 2019 in Europe and beyond in Asia, and of course, DCBKK in mid to late October. Just a lot going on, man. All that's great. All that's well. I really want to get to complaining. Like, I'm just like, I can't (laughs) wait to start complaining. All right. As a quick reminder, Ian and I will each be given the chance to offer one terrible thing in the world of entrepreneurship to be entered. We will do three sets of two complaints, things that annoy us. And then at the end, we are going to vote which terrible things actually deserve the right to be banished forever, never to be spoken of again, to be locked up in room 101. Let's just jump right into it. I'll give you the honor. We have not read each other's complaints. I'm so curious. Let's kick it off with round number one. Oh boy. There's a lot to complain about in this world, Dan. And these people still haven't disappeared. And every year I think, Oh, wouldn't it be nice if I didn't have to see these people anymore? But they keep popping up on the internet. It's and not think, door-to-door salesmen? <laughs> it's not door-to-door. I, no, I think those people hustle hard. They got something real going on. <laughs> these people, they exist online, mostly. They exist on Instagram. They exist on Twitter. They exist in blogs. I think that the peak is over, but I know they will continue to exist. So it's everything we can do in our power to ignore them and kvetch about them. These people are the famous fake it till you make it (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> fake it till you make it entrepreneurs. All right, what's a fake it till you make it? Fake it till you make it entrepreneur is not somebody doing hard stuff. This is not somebody faking to have a company that's actually building real products or building a real service. These are lifestyle bloggers. These are lifestyle designers. These are people that are taking pictures in Bali at the perfect angle, at the perfect time, making you think that their life is somehow more spectacular and wonderful than yours is. These are people that make you feel bad about sitting in your cubicle. These are people that are being subsidized by their parents. These are people that are being subsidized by their loved ones, by their jobs. These are people that are being subsidized by their savings. They are quickly running out of their savings. <laughs> They're living a lie, Dan, and they are living a lie. propagating this lie through social media, making you think that they have some kind of exceptional life when most of the time they do not. Yeah, I cannot believe that people haven't figured out this scheme, this MLM scheme. And a lot of times these people are coaches. These people, I mean, that's the thing. They are coaching each other to coach each other. It's so funny. And here's how the structure works. It looks something like a pyramid. Now that I think about it over the last decade, most people don't believe it. And actually what annoys me so much is like what I see them doing to themselves. I used to call this the internet guru. What's that kind of wave where it comes over your head? I think you're in the pipe. You're in the pipe. And the metaphor I was trying to draw back in the day, because I was living in Bali and I was hanging around all these kind of gurus and I saw it. What I found is that the rare person does make it out and they do kind of get out of that pipe and they don't get crashed by the way. But most people taking this business model, the irony is, is that business model, that's generous. It's very generous. I mean, it's this sort of attention hype model with a very thin kind of operation on the back of it which generally involves you know, charging for information or seminars. It's a pyramid scheme. It's a pyramid it's scheme. A, it's a pyramid scheme. And the reality is, is like, you know, we've all had the random like charismatic high school teacher who went into an MLM company, you know, and like got out of that small town, like rat race or whatever. But the reality is nine out of 10 people that sign up for the MLM fail out of it. And they fail out of it because they realize at some point themselves that, this is stupid, you know? Hopefully that's what they realize. Let me tell you, nobody that's actually living like that is posting about these things. Like they're doing way cooler things than sitting on Instagram looking for likes. Okay, that's a pretty good one. I'm gonna have to find something that's worth comparing with that that could potentially go to room 101. Heaven forbid one of my complaints wouldn't be locked away, key thrown away forever. Here's what I want to complain about. A few months ago, I'm on Twitter. I like Twitter relative to the other social networks. I do not like Facebook. I like Instagram. I'm not in love with Instagram. I just don't mind it. It doesn't make me feel bad or particularly good. I like following certain pictures of bicycles and things like that. In terms of comparing social networks, like, you know, Dynamite Circle is probably my main one, but. Twitter, like in terms of a public social tool, has always been my long-standing favorite. Recently, they changed the character limit so that people could create longer tweets. It used to be the case that Twitter was about discovering content mm-hmm. and then sharing or promoting content, right. right? And now Twitter has changed to become 
a place to test ideas, to share quotes that are interesting to you, to look smart about the quote that you've generated, to look kind of like be like a full-time humming professorial sort of intellectual person. I preferred the version of Twitter where it was more like, read this article, here's why you should read it. Right. And to that point, read this article that I wrote. Here is the marketing channel in which I will distribute this this document. This is how Twitter used to be. And of course, that has its own annoyances. But, you know, a while ago, starting to notice this, this was like last year around September. And the people were really like starting to write these longer paragraphs about, you know, Socrates and paleo and whatever you're interested in, stuff comes up, you know. And at first, my instinct was to be kind of interested in it. It only sort of dawned on me a few months later that this is all bullshit. And this is why I think my complaint's better than yours. Because I follow like legit interesting people that do interesting things. They care about things that have weight and depth and age and wisdom and all this stuff. But I follow them on Twitter for months, read all this supposedly smart stuff, and I retain nothing. And it just feels like somewhere along the the way we like jump too far ahead. Like, I'm sorry, but aside from like one or two tweet chains, I am not retaining this information. Like even Naval's tweet chain on how to get rich, which is like one of the most notable in our industry, one of the most remarkable in terms of its wisdom and shareability. It's not actually that deep because there's no stories there. I can't quite remember any of the quotes right now in it. I just know hmm, that was a good tweet stream. Mm-hmm. But I can think of handfuls and handfuls of articles that yeah. I have read over the past 15 years that I can recite for you stories out of them about money, about wealth, about what it took to get there. What I'm complaining about today is that I think some of our freshest, brightest intellectuals are wasting their energy on Twitter. One of the things that I'd like to add is if you're not forced to sit down and create an article, if you're not forced to sit down and create a podcast about what you really think and something that's like cemented in history for a very long time, then you're probably being lazy. How many people go to Twitter with their ideas, test it out, and then go and write like a long form piece about what they had to say about it? Here's what I think is happening. I think that Basically, being smart on Twitter and engaging is working out really well for these people's businesses. They can see it quickly. You know, so-and-so found me on Twitter, gave me a call. I'm bemoaning the loss of these ideas that had a really big impact on me. All right, Ian, give you the honors again. Great job on number one. We're going to get moving. So to summarize, your complaint, number one, is fake it till you make it especially social media people. My complaint number one is about social media as well, which is the intellectual brain drain from the long form sphere into the Twitter sphere. All right, number two complaint, boss man. So Dan, my number two complaint comes from the idea that people seem to have a high sense of what they're doing is actually changing the world. (laughs) (laughs) But it doesn't feel like 25 years ago, this was the case. It felt like people were doing what they thought was right for their families, for themselves. It feels like 
they had a, a better sense of what they were actually doing in terms of like what it was impacting. Now, here's the problem, is that everybody thinks that the startup or the company that they're working for or founded is actually changing the world. And let me tell you, in my experience and what I see, it's not actually changing the world and it's not gonna change the world. And 25 years from now, 25 months from now, no one is even gonna remember what you're working on. I think that this whole startup culture, and maybe we're even involved in it in some way, shape, or form, is just an extension of like the Wall Street generation. So there was all these people that got out of school. They were promised this whole big career on Wall Street to make a bunch of money and to change the world and sell these stocks and all that stuff. Like that's where all the quote smart people went to work, right? Like if you had like a yeah, you had a or if even if you had a Harvard grad degree, it was like. We're going to use your smarts, like your statistical modeling or whatever. We're going to put it to like the biggest challenge in our lifetime, which is making money in the stock market. Meanwhile, like, you know, there's a lot of things to cure, like diseases. There's a lot of things to cure, like poverty or children to educate. I mean, countless things that could actually change the world besides just printing more cash, basically. Figuring out a way to get people's tacos delivered quicker. Yeah, exactly. This is the annoying part, I think, about what everybody thinks that they're up to. Like, they're so righteous about it. Like, oh, we're the, we're the next food delivery app. Anyways, all to say, Dan, I think that everybody that's participating in these companies, you should know why you're doing it. You should know why the founders are doing it. You should know why the investors are doing it, okay? The investors are doing it because they haven't figured out a better way to make 25 <laughs> to 50% on their money. The founders are doing it. They'll do that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The founders are doing it because they want to get rich and they want to get famous and they want to have a legacy. And because they weren't cool in high school. And so this is the new chance. Potentially. The employees <laughs> are doing it because they're blinded by this idea that they're going to be some rock star successful person when they're really just a cog in the machine. So, and then you, the consumer, are buying into it because you don't want to walk for tacos you don't want to walk uh, for nobody tacos. wants right. to walk for tacos by the way do you have a good taco delivery app i'd love that <laughs> change my life all right i'm just gonna go broad i'm gonna go very broad on this one you ready i'm ready i want to complain about normal people <laughs> oh no i feel like you're gonna offend me <laughs> <laughs> i'm sick of normies man i can't handle them i can't handle them anymore i don't know how to behave around them i don't know how to play it you know I want to hang out with entrepreneurs. I want to talk about the things that we're doing. I'm excited to talk to other people who have control over their life, who I don't have to worry about asking them uh, whether I'm going to step on their toes, say, hey, what's the net profit last year? What's going on in your industry? Tell me some freaking true stuff. Novel concept out there in society. Rather than you position yourself to me in a way that you want to be positioned for some way it makes you feel about yourself or something. But here's there's a further thing to this normal people thing. And I thought my first complaint was actually going to be about another type of entrepreneur. Okay. And then I thought, you know what? It's so easy to hate those who are so close to you. Mm-hmm. You know what? Cyclists, you know who we hate the most? Triathletes. Triathletes. <laughs> That's an easy one. But of course, we're the same. We're so close. Yeah. We actually have all these things in common. It's the people who don't even ride a bike that we should be taking a harder look and, at. And to be fair, just to just to slow this down for a second and talk about triathletes versus cyclists. Like <laughs> triathletes in my mind, and this is going to get to my next rant here, triathletes are much more well-rounded individuals. Like oh they run, gosh. they bike, and they swim. The, you, the you last time cycle. you met a triathlete is clearly like half a decade ago. They are unhinged, crazy individuals. 
triathletes are without a doubt more crazy than cyclists. I didn't say that they weren't more crazy. I said that they were more well-rounded. Oh, come on. Just because you can run and do a few strokes and the freaking, uh, that the YMCA makes you more well-rounded. <laughs> Anyways, back to your rant about normal people. I'm not sure if I understand. I was going to complain about certain sorts of entrepreneurs, but then I realized that my actual complaint is about a whole class of people that is very common in society. People who think that having an opinion is good enough and they think that because they have an opinion, it says something about who they are and what they're doing and that's bullshit. And when I went last year to revisit my philosophical mentor who was not that aware of entrepreneurship, strangely enough, this is one of the first things I found myself describing to him, how much I like talking with all of you who are listening to this show because you take risks on behalf of your opinions. I don't care if that means you're helping two clients increase their lead funnels. What I love about what you're all doing and why I want to give you a huge nod of respect is that you are risking things, your time, your money, your relationships in the pursuit of your beliefs. And that is something that normal people don't often do. You know do. what normal people do, Dan? They put their opinions on stickers, and then they put those stickers on their car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say something that I think is true. I think. And I want to say it because I think it's part of what contributes to the alienation many entrepreneurs can start to feel when they start to go down this lifestyle. How you can find yourself in awkward conversations. If you want to know what someone cares about, don't look at their bumper stickers. Look at what they do with their day. I think part of the reason people do so much grandstanding with their opinions is to compensate for what they don't do with their day. Not to say I'm doing great things with my day. Well, we did eat some nice Last night I was today. doing YouTube deep dive, <laughs> drinking Coors Light, and hanging out on the patio. I mean, this isn't, this isn't uh, saving the world stuff, you know? Today's episode is sponsored by ShipHero.com. Thank you, ShipHero. Hey, they handle more Shopify third-party fulfillment orders than any other provider. If you run a Shopify store, if you're thinking about it, you basically need to be a warehouse operations genius, constantly sorting inventory, fulfillment, and shipping, rather than doing what you're supposed to do, the entrepreneur running your business. And add to that, we all know your customers want their order tomorrow. So let Ship Hero help. They have created a solution called Ship Hero Fulfillment. And get this, they will both handle your inventory and ship your orders on your behalf. They have warehouses throughout the United States and provide easy, transparent, fixed pricing and get this with no minimums or setup fees. So even if you're just starting out or if your store is already there, Ship Hero can help you ship at any volume level and it only takes seconds to get started. Simply connect your Shopify store to Ship Hero and boom, you're halfway there. They have an easy to use dashboard to help you manage your products and view your shipments. So if you run a Shopify store and want to test it out, these folks are so confident you'll love their service. This is a total no-brainer that they are offering TMBA listeners, that's you, $100 to try ShipHero. So head on over to fulfillment.shiphero.com TMBA and sign up using the code TMBA. 
As a bonus, their team is on hand to answer any questions you have. That's right. Ship Hero handles millions of orders a month, and they really know their stuff. So check them out. Shiphero.com. That link again is fulfillment.shiphero.com slash TMBA. Believe it or not, we haven't read each other's kvetches, but this actually relates directly to my last kvetch. Okay. So interested to see what you think about it. Round number three. Dan, I'm going to go out on a limb as if we haven't already done that yet <laughs> and alienate ourselves even further from everybody. <laughs> but I'd like to talk about, and this is kind of related to your last kvetch. I want to talk about boring people. Yeah, talk about boring people in a non-boring way. Okay. Here is my kvetch. I get to spend a lot of time talking to entrepreneurs, but I have found in my time talking with entrepreneurs, believe it or not, that they are some of the most boring, one-dimensional people I have ever met in my life. And here's why. We'll be taking applications for co-hosts. Clearly, you're going to get run out of town here. This isn't going to work long term. Dan at tropicalmba.com, looking for a co-host who believes in entrepreneurship, people. When this microphone turns off, Dan, and this is the reason why we're compadres, this is the reason why we're friends, this is a reason why on and off through the years we have lived together, we have laughed together, we have shared many meals and other things, is because you have the ability to talk about a broad range of things. And I think that that is just one of those things that makes you and everybody else that has more than three things on their mind interesting. I will not invest with you. I will not work with you. I will not hire you. I will not do any of these things with you if you cannot carry on a conversation about the most basic shit, okay? And let me tell you the things that I'm interested in, Dan, in (laughs) case you're interested in having a conversation with me. I'm interested in light construction. I'm interested in cars. I'm interested in motorcycles. I'm interested in bikes. I'm interested in electronics. Oh, boy. I'm interested in music. I'm bored, frankly. Are you bored? I'm getting a little bored. Here's the thing. What is the problem with being a boring person? How do you find these people? I just think this, Tan. I think that most people that spend all their time thinking about their business and working in their business, most of these people don't become uber successful. They just become uber boring with a decent business, right? They're not well-rounded. I mean, I think there's there's some exceptions to that rule. Like they just put their nose to the grindstone. All they know is the industry that they're in. They accelerate and, oh my gosh, they're multimillionaires and who cares how boring you are because you're so rich. Most of the people... (laughs) Most of the people <laughs> never make it to that. Most of the people just end up with an average business with nothing to talk about outside of that. And look, I've seen it, Dan. I've seen loved ones standing next to their significant other just realizing how boring this person has become because they're so self-consumed with their business. You just nailed it. So here's what's boring. Boring is caring about your own self-interest and your own aims and that everything comes back to that all the time. And I think that's what I'm picking up from what you're laying down about talking to a lot of entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs are often in the game because they're insecure about themselves. They're insecure about money. They're in an uneven place in life. And because of that, because of the fear, it's like a black hole that just sucks all the interest they would have had in, say, the market that they're in. They can't even pursue a hobby in the evening times. They can't even keep a relationship going. Maybe they have to keep moving around from place to place because they get found out. Because yep. at a certain point, people, another way to talk about this boring thing is people just get tired of you, man. It's like if, you, if you're just going to be the person, it's always about you. And if it's not about you, it's you covered with this 
coating of sugar that's supposedly not about you, but at the end of the day, you end up and it's, ah, this person's talking to me again because they need something and it's boring. I was going to say that word. Uh, A lot of times these people are like very needy. Let me give you another tip too, Dan, in case you were interested in tips. (laughs) (laughs) A great way to start a conversation with somebody about something that you really want or you really need is to find out something that you're interested in that I'm also interested in. Don't find out something that I'm interested in that you don't know anything about and ask me about it. Like working on a metal lathe. If you've only seen a picture of a metal lathe, don't ask me about a metal lathe. If you have a metal lathe in your house, we're going to have something to talk about for probably hours, okay? That, in my mind, buddy, is going to build trust with me. A lot of times it's easier to talk about things like bicycling or metal lathes before it's time to talk about the hard things like business or relationships, things like that. So I think it's just a great way to like bond with people is it actually generally be interested in actually be immersed in things that aren't business because it, if nothing else, it makes you a well-rounded person and it also gives you something to talk to other people about. The re- bottom line to. is though, like, look, this doesn't work as a tactic. You have to be genuinely curious and you have to have a conception of yourself that you're going to be able to do something with that knowledge And if you walk into every interaction, like, what am I going to get out of this guy? You're never going to have genuine curiosity for some random implement sitting in the corner of the barn. All right, my final complaint, Ian, a relatively commonplace one on this show. But, you know, at the risk of being boring, I will uh, mention it one more time. We got a comment on a recent episode, read this great article called Against Advice And what I want to do is just take advice down a peg. I want to give a shout to Agnes Collard and uh, Kyla Gardner podcast, occasional podcast host and regular guest here for pointing this out to me. Relevant to a lot of the discussions we have here about the falsifiability of advice in the blogosphere. And this extends to some of your conventions earlier, Ian, where you're uh, complaining about people purporting things on Instagram and things. So the, the distinction that the author makes is that there's instruction on the one hand, which is I need to set up a Google product feed. Somebody creates a great set of instructions for how another business owner can do that. Instruction is pretty valuable thing. Mm -hmm. Then on the other end, you got coaching, which is a coach sit down with you like a therapist, a business coach, a, a CFO, and they get to know where you're at. What are your numbers? Where are you going on? I want to know about you and your particular situation. Right. I've been there before, and I can help coach you out of it. Then in the middle, we got all the problems. Advisors. Advisors. And the problem is maybe not with advice, but the problem comes when you start paying for it. Because I think almost universally, advice that you pay for is corrupted. It doesn't come with any sort of specifics necessarily for you. And furthermore, the ultimate purpose of the advice is not your success, but to ensure that you continue receiving that advice. Yeah. Having been on the end of many different sources of paid advice over the years, fat chance if the advice you're going to get is stop paying me for this advice and go pay someone else for some other sorts of advice. In fact, that's always the first question that I ask when I'm getting ready to pay for some advice. When would you say I will be done paying for this advice? (laughs) And uh, if you don't get an end date with your advice, it's usually a bad sign. That's why people value mentors so much is because the transactional 
evidence of the relationship is not money. It's actually like goodwill. It's actually good feelings. It's like a a longstanding relationship. And by the way, like really good advice is so hard to give, requires so much work up front in order to understand how to deliver it, how to give it. And it also comes with social risks, giving it at all. And this is the thing that the advice giver doesn't face anything. They're getting paid to take no risk. The best advice is really fraught and it comes from difficult places. And this is why the easy things that exist out there, they don't ultimately uh, make that much of a difference. Like the things that make a difference are execution, our know-how, our getting it done. A lot of times what happens is advice accompanies that. And then, you know, you get all the upside as the advice giver and all the downside. I mean, look, I mean, I'm, I'm a hypocrite saying this. We come on this podcast all the time and give advice, you know, it's free. It's, free. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's cheap. You don't have to listen to it. It's yeah. cheap. It's cheap. We'll leave it at that. A uh, fun one for me, Dan. This is just like everyday life. Kvetch. Here it is. Been wearing flip-flops pretty much my whole life, like as my primary shoe. Let me tell you, the quality of flip-flops over the years has diminished greatly. Oh, come on. I am not even kidding. Here is my Kvetch. I used to buy reef sandals 100% of the time. I could get like five years out of one pair. I mean, it was phenomenal. (laughs) So then fast forward to, I don't know, early 2000s, all Mm -hmm. of a sudden I start getting blowouts. The flip-flop landscape has changed. They start not wearing as well, okay? Reefs are lasting me like a year tops. And I think like something's wrong here. So I start to go off brand. I start to try Sanooks. Turns out all these other flip-flops are just as bad as Reefs. And then you know what the suggestion I get is? Have you tried rainbows? Yes. (laughs) I lived in the Southeast. I tried rainbows. They have poor arch support, and I just don't like the shape of them. They're too tough. It's like the tough beef jerky that is, it's good in theory, but you don't want to eat it on a daily basis. Exactly. So rainbows are not my solution. The other day, I brought up this kvetch to you. This is the only kvetch that I think that you knew about. And you go, you know, Ian, at some point in your life, it's going to come down to a back strap. (laughs) I think it might solve the problem, but fashion-wise, I'm just not ready to get to that point in my life. So go Jesus jumping. No, my Kvetch, Dan, and I wish somebody would solve this. And I swear to you, this is like, if we're going to start another physical products business, it's going to be this. We've actually talked about this with some embarrassing details. Yeah. If somebody can recommend a flip-flop that lasts five years that looks good, please send it my way. All right. That's a good one. I like that. All right, I'll try a bit on. I've lived and been all around the United States of America. And one of the maybe misconceptions for those of you listeners who haven't visited the United States, because it is an enormous country with 50 states last time I checked, a few territories, all different kinds of landscapes and colors of people and stuff going on and cultures and stuff. A remarkably uniform country. Yeah. You can drive for five days across the damn thing and people talk the same way. They think the same way. They do basically the same things. The country culturally does not have a ton of range. I got a lot of great things to say about Austin, Texas, your hometown, but I won't say any of them here today. (laughs) I'll talk about the great state of Texas once a country itself still holds a distinct culture. And somehow someone sent the memo out and not the rest of us have heard about it, that this must be the gathering ground for the country's most creative civil engineers. (laughs) Now, the moment you drive across the border into the great state of Texas, 
the driving difficulty goes up at least 20%. Things get very strange. If you go onto the slash Austin subreddit, the dominant theme is traffic and accidents. I think what happens, it's the lack of constraints. All of a sudden, Texas is bigger than most countries in the world. New people are moving here. The civil engineers come to spread their wings and they don't have to go around <laughs> old farms or old cities or procedures and they do whatever the heck they want. And it's, it's a mess. It's a total mess. I like that you think that this is like a, a new civil engineers, like wet dream. Like, like right. they come here and they're like, hey, check out this interchange. Like first we have them on the left side of the road. Then we have them on the right side of the road. Then we have them going over the road. Right. And then there's like this flashing arrow that you rarely ever see. Right. One of the other things that I noticed too when I moved to Austin <laughs> is that the construction equipment, which is everywhere because the city is expanding so fast. They actually have like in some instances, blue and red flashing lights and then blue and yellow flashing lights. So it's to give off this idea that it might be a cop, but it's actually really, it's good. <laughs> because it gets people to slow down the construction zone. You roll up and then you realize, oh, they're just building uh, one of these things where like the road crosses over itself 10 times. The other thing I'll say about Texas roads, which is interesting, is they built a road next to a road in a lot of instances. Everywhere. And they call it the frontage road. The frontage so road. So basically, there's a highway. And then next to the highway, there's like a single lane or a double lane road. Which is basically just as fast as the highway. But yes. there's just businesses on the side of it that you can pull in and pull out of at your own leisure. Yeah. You know, I got to give it to Texas. It's definitely one of the freer feeling places you can feel in this country. And you get the sense that the civil engineering community has known about this for decades. <laughs> it's like they're sitting in Boston and Paul's sitting there. He's frustrated because no one's listening to his ideas. So he packs up his car. He drives to Texas and he's like, hey guys, he's sitting in the meeting. And he's like, I know we've all seen an exit ramp here and they work perfectly well everywhere else in the world. But what if I told you we could put an exit ramp on top of the exit ramp, guys? And everybody's just like, let's do it. <laughs> we got all this space. The rest of the country is just missing out when it comes to innovation and creativity. Texas is definitely where it's at. If you want to design confusing roads. All right, Ian, you can only choose one. Oh, man. All right, I'll start off. I'm going to chuck one group of people into room 101. I'm going to get ambitious with it. I'm just going to chuck normies in there. I'm sick of hearing people think that what they think about things that they don't understand about the world, that they're not risking anything but a bunch of hot air about. That is not risk. And I'm sick of feeling awkward around you people. So I want to hang out with entrepreneurs. Boom. Awesome. As long as we're like throwing people in a room, I'll just throw some people in a room too. And I guess the people that I want to throw in the room are the people that work for these startups. Like <laughs> you're not changing the world. Like, yeah, you're getting free lunch at your campus or whatever, or, you know, you're getting some corporate stock, which can be exchanged for nothing five years from now. Why don't you go ahead and spend that in room 101? Okay? You think you're better than me? Go spend it in room 101. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Boss, man, I think it's safe to say that we did not change the world here today, but we had a good time. We hope you did too. We want to hear your complaints. Let us know what annoys you out in the blogosphere. This one and all the links mentioned in today's app will be posted over at tropicalmba.com slash complainers and uh, as always don't complain about the fact that we are going to be back next thursday morning 8 a.m eastern standard time hey thanks for listening to the tropical mba podcast you can go to tropicalmba.com get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies load up your ipod that is the cheapest way to fly business class 
on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.